The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to extend a special welcome to members of our armed forces who are joining us over the Internet today. Thank you for your sacrifice and also for your many emails and letters. I'm deeply moved by the things you write to me about, uh, particularly uh, what you're experiencing on the front lines of combat. And, And I want you to know that when there's an opportunity to let our leaders in Washington know you have my word that I do and I will. In just a moment, former governor of Indiana and president of Purdue University, Mitch Daniels, will be with us to talk about why space exploration must remain a top priority for the United States, including the mission to put a man on Mars. He'll also give us his thoughts on the upcoming midterm elections. But before Mr. Daniels joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Mitchell Elias Daniels Jr. was born in Pennsylvania. His father was Syrian and his mother mother, English, Scottish, and Welsh. When Daniels was 11, his father accepted a job in Indiana where the family soon moved. From a young age, Daniels was an exceptional student. He graduated from Princeton University and later from Georgetown University Law Center. Daniel's love affair with politics began when he was just a teenager. He worked on the unsuccessful Senate campaign of William Ruckelshaus and later as an intern for the mayor of Indianapolis. He, he later joined the mayor's staff in 1974, eventually rising to Mayor Richard Luger's principal assistant. And when Luger was elected to the Senate, Daniels followed him to Washington, D.C. as chief of staff, where Daniels' position in the Republican Party skyrocketed. By 1985, he was chief political advisor to President Ronald Reagan. Then in 87, it was times for time for Daniels to return to Indiana, where he served as the CEO of conservative think tank, the Hudson Institute. Following this post, he joined the executive team at pharmaceutical giant Eli Lilly. And in 2001, President Bush appointed Daniels to the position of Director of the Office of Management and Budget, a job which earned Daniels the nickname The Blade for his budget-cutting skills. In 2004, Daniels threw his hat in uh, in the ring for Governor of Indiana, a position he served until 2013 when he became the President of Purdue University. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a leader who has been on the forefront of reducing spending without cutting efficiency in government, business, and education, Mr. Mitch Daniels. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Daniels. Well, thanks for the invitation, Rebecca. I hope we have some listeners left. That, that listening to my bio might have driven them all to some other station. I hope we didn't kill, kill your ratings. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You know, I like to give a little background on my guests because so often we know the name and we think we're familiar with the person's background. I mean, how often does that happen? And then, you know, you'll be sitting across the dinner table from someone or in a meeting and they'll mention some job they had or some responsibility that they took on in government and you'll shake your head and say, I didn't know that. I mean, how often does that happen? Well, it does. And I, and I do enjoy hearing about other people, but uh, my, my own uh, bio, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not sure uh, <laughs> is, is one of those that's worth that much time. But thank you. Uh, you're being, now you're being modest. Now, uh, first of all, I, I do want to take a moment that, uh, to congratulate you on your success at Purdue. Uh, when you started there, you froze student tuition and meal plans, and then you had the nerve to find ways to make up for almost all of the $40 million in lost revenues. Now, that couldn't have been an easy feat. How'd you do it? Well, first, Rebecca, I mean, thanks, but I don't think we've done all that much so far. We've got a lot more work to do here, but 
Um, we did think it was time to, to make a start. Um, you know, Purdue is one of the um, best known and, and deservedly so research universities in the world. Yes. But it's also a land grant school. And, you know, Abe Lincoln and, uh, and his generation created schools like ours to throw open the doors of higher ed beyond the elites, beyond the wealthy. Uh, and it, it was a fabulous success. And, and we just believe at Purdue that we can have the highest standards. It's rigorous. It's a tough school, uh, teaching tough subjects. But you, you, we've got to do that in a way that remains affordable and accessible to students of all uh, income levels. So after 36 straight years, um, I, I just said to the folks here, I said, I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but let's try something different. Instead of asking our students, families, to adjust their budgets to our spending levels, let's try to adjust our spending to their budgets for a little while. We did it for a year, and we've been able to extend it for two more. And, and uh, you know, uh, so far so good, but we've got much more to do. We, uh, well, now we I had a funny do- feeling you were going to say that. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the fact that you recently pointed out that um, the number of students that were unable to attend their first college choice because of costs uh, that is, has just skyrocketed. The college tuition rates have actually been rising faster than health care costs. And uh, I, in fact, I believe student loans surpassed $1 trillion this year. Is that right? You're absolutely right. They're, they're, they're the, the biggest category of debt, uh, aside from uh, private debt, aside from mortgages, more than auto loans, more than credit card uh, loans. And it's, uh, it's not right and it's not smart. So um, we, uh, we are uh, determined here at Purdue to go a different route. I do believe, and, and, and you cited the, a, a very important uh, fact uh, that, that supports this, that, that the marketplace is really changing and that uh, students and their families no longer accept at face value that uh, college education is worth whatever some, uh, some institution is charging for it. They're starting to ask harder questions and they're starting to become a little more discerning consumers, and I think that's entirely appropriate. Now, you've even gone further at Purdue. Uh, I believe you challenged the departments at Purdue to come up with a way to get a four-year degree in three years, which would save students and their parents an entire year of tuition, living expenses, and so on. And as I understand it, the communication school turned back the clock. Uh, Isn't that correct? They did. I'm very proud of them. Our Brian Lamb School, Brian Lamb uh, uh, invented C-SPAN. Uh, he's a genuine revolutionary, and he's a Purdue alum. And, and, and our school, named for him, just uh, did some innovating of their own. I, I put up a prize, and, and several of our departments, uh, uh, I'm happy to say, came up with a way for a program that will, will allow a diligent student to finish in three years as opposed to the traditional four. Uh, this usually involves taking a couple semesters of a slightly heavier load. Uh, it, it involves taking some credits in, in at least two summers. Um, it won't apply to every degree. Some of our top engineering degrees or pharmacy, things like this, will take four or more years. But there are a number of, of programs here that a student who wants to could finish in three, uh, saving a, an awful lot of money and, and getting on with life and earning uh, a year sooner. So I was very excited about it. Five very popular communications majors will now be available. Students are starting to sign up right now on a three-year basis. And now once you've created that model, is it your expectation that other schools and other departments will look at that model and then try to emulate it? It is. If you mean schools here, some of our schools yes. here at Purdue, uh-huh. you know, I will, I hasten to add always that we're trying things here that we think are right for our institution and for our students, but we don't pretend to have all the answers, and we don't claim that things that that uh, may work for us are necessarily uh, right for any other institution. But yes, here at Purdue, um, as I said, six different departments did step forward. I'm expecting the five who didn't win the the uh, the, the the prize, the money prize, to proceed anyway with the new programs they've devised. And absolutely, we're going to be urging every college and every department within them uh, that, mm-hmm. that can find a three-year possibility to do so. 
Well, I think it's really exciting because I've heard that the savings estimates of going from four, a four-year degree to a three-year three degree range from anywhere from 10000 to $15,000. And that is a tremendous savings for families that are uh, really working two and three jobs to put their kids through school. Now, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears from cutting costs to where we should be spending our money. You're listening to the Costa Report. Every day our world gets more complicated. Not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology, and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that, for the first time, explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com. That's RebeccaCosta.com. And order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Big data is changing the way organizations work. From data-driven marketing and ad targeting to the connected car, Big Data is fueling product innovation and new revenue opportunities. It's creating a culture in which business and IT leaders join forces to realize value from all data. They infuse analytics everywhere and make speed a differentiator, gaining competitive advantage from faster, more informed decisions. Leading organizations are creating new business models, developing new roles, and defining new big data architectures, including an infrastructure that can manage and process exploding volumes of structured and unstructured data, in motion as well as at rest, while protecting data privacy and security. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash big data today. Healthy Way Radio, we're talking to Fred today. Hi, how you doing? I understand you've already lost six pounds and you've only been on the program for one week this time. Actually, a little less than a week. It's terrific. I feel great. You tried this about 20 years ago. I did. You know, it's one of those things where I got into a groove and I stayed really healthy for a long time. Then I got to a place where I needed some help and I knew where to come. It came to Healthy Way. What do you like about the Healthy Way? I like the personal touch. You know something? I really like the fact that it's been in the same place for all these years. Obviously, it worked. You've had some health issues since the first time you came to us. I got type 2 diabetes, and I noticed that my blood sugars already have leveled off a great deal. And the program's easy for you to deal with? Very easy. Um, It's very simple. It's not complicated. The plan is laid out so you can understand it easily. And when you come here, there's always someone to talk to. All right, Fred. Well, we'll be checking in with you periodically. Thanks for joining us on The Healthy Way today. Thank you. This could be you. Call 462-5900. Go in for a free consultation at The Healthy Way. This weekend, be sure to stop by 2300 Portola Drive for KSEO's big Longevity sale. This Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. is your chance to get your hands on some of Longevity's newest products and some of our best sellers. We've got the new Amasi Probiotic Yogurt, Plain and Raspberry, Beyond Organics Green-Fed Raw Cheese, Go Food Bars, and... The Swero Cleanse and Detox System. We've also got your Mighty 90 Packs, Plant Derived Minerals, Ultimate Classic, Brain and Heart Packs, Beyond Tangy Tangerine, Original and 2.0, Ultimate Daily Tablets, and the Healthy Digestion Pack. And while you're there, be sure to ask for the special sign-up bonus. The Big Longevity Sale is happening again this weekend, Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. Don't miss your chance to get your hands on some of our newest products. Supplies are limited, so make sure you stop by early. This is your chance to support KSCO operations Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., right here at 2300 Portola Drive in Santa Cruz. This weekend, be sure to stop by for KSCO's big longevity sale.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former governor of Indiana and president of Purdue University, Mr. Mitch Daniels. And before the break, we were talking about the innovative programs underway at Purdue uh, that are designed to cut the cost of a quality education so that this burden of student loans can be significantly reduced. Now, you are known, you have a, a, a long reputation for uh, your cost-cutting acumen, so I can't think of a better person to be appointed by Congress to review NASA's human spaceflight program. And as I understand it, you studied this program for the past 18 months. So what did you find? Well, we found a lot of uh, to be inspired by the, the bravery, the technological brilliance of, of NASA over all the years, right up to the present time. And all the all the uh, companies who are part of their network is just truly astonishing and impressive. It ought to be a a source of pride to all Americans. But we also found a a system which is often hamstrung and handicapped by uh, too many uh, priorities for the dollars that are available, by stopping and starting, by politicians interfering, uh, uh, blocking potential efficiencies, you know, maintaining uh, obsolete facilities and so forth for provincial reasons. And so what we really found was a system with magnificent scientific and technical capabilities um, uh, that is uh, not going to achieve the possibilities and goals that that we'd like to uh, see for it uh, unless there's some uh, big changes made. Mm -hmm. Now, NASA has been seeing continuous budget cuts to the point where it's become fiscally impossible to stay on a long-term mission like um, for example, putting a man on Mars. So what what do you say to listeners who feel that with roads and bridges and other infrastructure falling apart and our situation in Iraq and, uh, um, you know, Hamas and Israel, and we're, we, we just seem to need, uh, need funding for every program uh, around every corner, uh, and the deficit is growing every single day. Uh, what do you say to people who say, hey, we can't really afford a space exploration anymore? Well, Rebecca, those are very natural questions. I mean, uh, uh, the, it's important to start with the the factual context. The, the, the NASA budget, uh, and particularly the human space, the human space flight part part of it that we were assigned by the National Academy of Science to uh, and Engineering to uh, look at, is a few tenths of one percent. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's less than a half of one penny on the federal dollar. Um, uh, our committee believes that with very modest increases, if it were organized well, if it were uh, put on a consistent, uh, not even multi-year, but multi-decade track uh, that uh, uh, politicians didn't tinker with, uh, new administrations didn't uh, you know, start fresh from, uh, that uh, we could achieve great things just as America has uh, starting with the uh, Apollo program of the 60s. Uh, you know, the problem for all the folks who raise those very good questions, there's one answer. It's the entitlement programs. They're, it's not NASA. It's not uh, irritating as they are. It's not any of the smaller w- uh, waste items that we read about. They should all be addressed, of course. But um, the reason that uh, we have a astonishing debt that we're that we are going to, um, if we don't make some changes soon, we're going to really work an injustice to the young people of this country, the young people I know at Purdue and all their contemporaries, who are going to have a huge debt burden dumped on them. The big reason, two-thirds of the whole budget already, is in Social Security, Medicare, um, uh, and the other entitlement programs, which need to be concentrated on those who really need them, and um, brought under a little more control. Well, we have a third of the U.S. population becoming uh, going into retirement here uh, very, very shortly. I don't know how those entitlements get reduced or go away with a third of the population needing them. You make an excellent point. That's why action is urgent very soon. There are... uh, uh, a number of things we can do to uh, improve this situation. We could stop sending uh, Social Security checks to millionaires and concentrate resources on those who really need them to have a digni- to have dignity in their older years. Ditto for uh, Medicare. Um, we 
we could stop over-indexing or overcompensating for inflation. It's a great idea to protect the benefits against inflation, but we do much more than that now. Most people don't know that we do. So um, there are uh, important steps we could take. I personally believe we should raise the retirement age. It's it's still uh, it's it's lagged far behind the improvements in uh, health and longevity. So that um, now people draw these benefits decades more than anyone expected when they were created. Well, I'll tell you a shocking statistic. A geneticist out of Cambridge University just uh, announced that the first person who will live to be a thousand years old has already been born. You know, he may be exaggerating, Rebecca, but not, but not necessarily. Um, and I, you know, I, I've said this to many of our students here at Purdue. Um, I said, you know, I'm looking at, I don't know which of you it will be, but many of you are going to live to be way over 100 years old with the tremendous advances in biotechnology and in, and in health care. And so we're going to have to have a, a new approach to these uh, very noble and worthy programs. They haven't, many of them haven't been really fundamentally changed uh, in in over a half century. You know, I have to tell you that now that I travel in circles of higher ed, people are worried about our universities and uh, loss of support for basic research and so forth. It's mm-hmm. the same problem. Uh, entitlements are devouring the budget, so there's not much left for NASA. There's not much left for uh, National Science Foundation. There's not much left for uh, many, many other really important programs of government that we count on. Well, uh, I like your idea. We, we have everybody's tax returns. Why not look and see how many assets they have? You know, if you've got $500 million of assets, I don't think you need the government's Social Security check, do you? I mean, why don't we have a cutoff point at, at how many assets you've acquired to the point of retirement? Yes, no, exactly. Uh, um, there are reasons. They're basically political in origin. Uh, folks who created these programs were I know, but let's put politics to- aside for a second. Let's just be practical. What's wrong with just being practical in government? Not a thing. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be forced to be. If we, if we don't take some of these steps to, and as I think of them, save the safety net, this isn't a matter of people who want to take it down. This isn't people who want to make changes want to preserve it. It is going to implode. Uh, the, the arithmetic, you know, this isn't a matter of philosophy. It's not a matter of, uh, of uh, you know, of political viewpoint at all. As a matter of arithmetic, there isn't a chance in the world That's right. um, of keeping the, the promises as they exist that are built into those systems. So what we ought to be doing is thinking about the people who need them most, and uh, making adjustments that uh, allow us to take care of them. Well, that's well said. And speaking of safety nets, even on a trampoline where life or death is involved, the the safety nets are meant for one or two people to fall on them. You have a, a hundred people fall on those safety nets, and guess what? You hit the ground. Uh, so you're right. We need to save those safety nets for those who really do need them, and they were designed for that in any case. We're going to have to take another break. Stay right where you are. We'll be right back with more from Mitch Daniels. You're listening to the Costa Report. No matter what business you're in, what happens in Washington can make the difference between business success or failure. That's why understanding where government is headed is so important in today's competitive business environment. But where can you find experts who know firsthand the inner workings of our nation's capital? The American Program Bureau is your leading source for speakers whose experience offer unique insights into where U.S. policy is headed. Speakers like Seth Harris, former acting U.S. Secretary of Labor, Alyssa Mastromonaco, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff, and General Carl Eikenberry, former U.S. Ambassador to Afghanistan. For your next meeting or conference, contact the American Program Bureau at apbspeakers.com or 617-614-1600. That's apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. Care from the heart is a local family-owned business. Hello, my name is Jackie Tucker, owner of Care from the Heart. Our family has provided caregiving services 
in our community for over 18 years. Our doors are opened like an emergency room 24-7. We're a dedicated team of case managers and home care aides who serve you with respect and dignity. I'm Dr. Don Motika. I have been using Care from the Heart for my patients for many years. I'm very happy with Jackie and more importantly, I think that she does a great job in choosing people and coordinating the service as well so that my patients get what they need when they need it. No complaints ever. When you or your loved one is in need of our care, please call area code 831-476-8316. Our website is carefromtheheart.net. That's dot net. We are honored to serve you. Hi, registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years. And what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. There's no element in the body that's more important than iodine, and not just for the thyroid either. As it turns out, all of the glands of the body depend on iodine. The adrenal glands are especially dependent on iodine, and making sure you're getting enough via diet and supplementation can reduce fibrocystic breasts and lower the risk of heart disease too. Iodine is also important for your brain. According to researchers writing in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, iodine deficiency can prevent children from attaining, quote, their full intellectual potential, unquote. Deficiencies in iodine are considered to be the most preventable cause of brain damage in infants and children. And according to the World Health Organization, over one-third of kids are iodine deficient. According to the World Health Organization, iodine deficiency in adults can lower IQs by up to 15 points. And considering the average adult IQ is around 90 to 100 and 80 is considered dull, losing 15 IQ points can be pretty significant. Although iodine is one of the most feared and misunderstood of all the nutritional minerals, the fact is iodine is perhaps the safest of all the essential trace elements. Organic nutritional iodine is the only essential trace element that can be used safely for long durations in doses many times higher than the RDA. Iodine is found abundantly in the ocean, and regular consumption of seafood and sea vegetables are a great way to make sure you're getting enough. You can also supplement with Lugol Solution, a product called Iodorol or its equivalent. You can also use drops of something called nascent iodine, which may be especially especially effective as a supplemental source. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is Mitch Daniels, who is making the point that the entire budget of NASA pales in comparison with entitlement programs, which uh, we can no longer sustain. And uh, and so the entire programs, uh, and the, all the safety nets that are there for those who most need them uh, are in jeopardy today. Um, now, just to finish up on, on space exploration, um, in addition to inspiring our youth, the knowledge that we gain from space exploration benefits businesses, uh, jobs creation, research, competitiveness. Um, they all go hand in hand, don't they? They do. Uh, the assignment to our commission, which is hardly the first to look at this uh, issue, Rebecca, um, was an interesting one. Uh, first of all, uh, almost half of us were not uh, lifelong uh, space community experts, were not technologists. Um, The assignment here was to step back and ask the fundamental questions. Is this really important at all? And if so, is it important enough to justify the investments uh, uh, that uh, will be required? And I have to tell you, we approached it very open-mindedly and very skeptically. If you add up all the direct benefits, the new products, the new companies, the uh, economics of it all, uh, if you add to that, there's some, there are some significant uh, benefits uh, uh, occasionally in terms of, of the uh, prestige of our country, the, our ability to work with other nations and bring them together with us in, in uh, cooperation uh, in space programs. If you add up all the tangible benefits, it's still hard to say it's worth the money. But there are non-quantifiable, intangible benefits, the inspiration of our youth, the attraction of bright young minds, um, 
um, to science and technology uh, as opposed to, I don't know, law, finance, some of these things. Um, and um, the, the uh, ability to unite the country occasionally around the thrill of a great uh, uh, achievement. Our committee decided when you put it all together, that the things you can count, the things you can't, it's still uh, really worth it, but only if we reorganize and allow NASA to aim for a great big goal as it did when we landed on the moon and stick to it um, over the long time frames that will be necessary to achieve it. That's right, which means through several administrations. These things are not done by one administration or one uh, uh, congressional group. Um, uh, you know, of all the government institutions we have, NASA has proven it can tackle extremely complex challenges and meet their budget and schedule targets on a fairly consistent basis. So I don't know. It seems to send the wrong message when we penalize success by chopping their budget, even though, you know, they're, they're, they should be a role model for other departments. I mean, why not expand NASA's mission rather than cutting it back? Give them more things to do. Well, I, I, I agree right up to the last sentence. I mean, their budget, it hasn't been slashed, but it hasn't grown. It's been pretty flat, and so inflation has eaten in, and, and in that sense, it is smaller. Um, I think, actually, that NASA has suffered not from too few assignments, but from too many. And uh, by, de- by being ordered by Congress and different administrations, of both parties, by the way, to take on all kinds of multiple tasks, uh, they have not been able to proceed uh, forward. It's a, it's a rather sobering thing, I think. But isn't one of the reasons that they've had to be, take on all these tasks is that they were worried you know, I talked to, there are 30 senior scientists there at NASA that I'm very familiar with, and they were worried that they were sort of losing their relevance. You know, they, they go, we, we could become, uh, people could stop relating to us. They could say, hey, we have too many practical problems. We can't, we can't be uh, investing in space exploration. And so suddenly they had this long litany of projects that potentially might be important to somebody and would lead to funding. I mean, isn't that what happens? Don't you have to cover all bases when people are saying, yeah, we're going to cut your funding or year after year after year? Didn't we create that situation? Well, that's so interesting. I didn't, I wasn't there to hear those conversations, but I can imagine them. It's a very human uh, tendency, and it's a major tendency of bureaucracies to preserve themselves, protect themselves. And one thing they think of doing is expanding their mission. A- add an ally here. Add an ally there. There I you go. Lose, I, I think that's a losing game for NASA. You bet it's a losing game. Look yeah. where it's gotten them. You say too many projects, and no wonder they're underfunded, and they're not fu- funded on the ones that really are the game changers. I, that is that is you you could have been a member of our commission uh, it's as though you were in all our meetings uh um uh, uh, without having attended you know the um uh i really think and i understand again uh, why what ness has been up against and the pressures and the way they've been tugged back and forth but yeah we did come to the conclusion that uh, that human space flight um remains important there are things we that humans could do uh, uh, pushing out beyond the moon that uh, cannot be done and will not be done foreseeably simply by robots uh, alone or by uh, unmanned exploration and that there are are things that speak to the human spirit that are very important along with the very direct benefits that uh, that we get from the technology and so um, we do hope the committee did did finally decide that we called on Congress and this and future administrations to adopt what we called a pathways approach. We didn't try to tell them where to go or which, what the steps were along the way, but we just said if you don't pick a goal like Mars and pick a route that gets you there, building on the technologies as you go, you probably won't go anywhere and you probably won't achieve nearly what you could. And we need some kind of... Um uh, political, I don't know, immunization for some programs. We need to set some targets, some funding, uh, some direction and say, it doesn't matter who's in Congress, who's in, in the presidential office. These programs are off the table. Once we commit to these, uh, these budgets are uh, can't be touched. Uh, is there such a thing as that? Can that be done? 
Can we protect these long-term projects? Well, we haven't been very good at it, and I understand why. And and by the way, I I think those are the rare exceptions. I mean, the the issue around NASA, of course, is if you're going to Mars, under the very best circumstances, it's going to take 30 years. Yep. Or some such time frame. It's the longest time frame government deals with. And, you know, government isn't very good at that. Uh, Congress, we, we can't stay on course for 30 days. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? And now, now, by the way, um, uh, I, I believe, and, and when, when given public assignments, I practice this, I believe a lot of government ought to be kept on a very short leash. If it can't, if, if it can't prove it's delivering results, yes. take the money away and try something that might work. I'm... Um, but NASA is in a different category because if it's going to achieve big things, it does have to operate on a time frame that's much longer than a two-year House term, even a six-year, uh, four-year presidential or a six-year Senate term. And um, it, that doesn't mean it can't be held accountable, um, just as the other things should be. But um, and, and I have to say, I love you for understanding that. For being able to separate those things that are not meeting their milestones and need to go a different direction, and those projects that are primary research, and they can't be done in one day or two days. You know, they can't be done in 30 days. They can't be done in two or three years. These are 30- and 40-year-old projects that really do require some long-term thinking, some sustainable plan, a pathway, as you put it. I I think that is absolutely critical, and I I love the fact that you make that distinction. I think that's rare. Well, I don't know, but I hope it becomes, if it is, I hope it becomes less rare. You know, if I may, I'd like to take this back to higher ed just for one second. Um, higher education, like like the federal government, is another area which is operated for a long time without much of any accountability. Yes, uh, people took it for granted that these diplomas that cost more money and more money every year were worth it, and uh, now suddenly that's not so clear. The cost has risen to a point, and meanwhile, some of the diplomas don't seem. You know, businesses say we we see the diploma, but we don't see the, the knowledge that should go with it. Mm-hmm. Now, so unfortunately, we have to take our last break here. Uh, but when we come back, let's pick that back up uh, because diplomas don't necessarily mean what they used to when I was back in school. And they're creating a lot of consternation between educational institutions and the actual businesses that are hiring these students. So let's pick that up when we come up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Costa Report. We're fortunate to have Scott Caraccioli with us to explain how the process of making sparkling wines influences a winemaker's approach to making a Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Yeah, it's really a driving factor in terms of style and really kind of making it a little bit more old world. Um, we use all French oak, which is the same thing that we use in our sparkling wines. So I would imagine that someone who's not making sparkling wines will take a totally different approach. Yeah, it's a matter of viewpoint when it comes down to when you have a French winemaker making bubbles, you end up with a leaner, more European style of wine. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I, Cellars, where you have to spell it to drink it. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouthwatering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. It's that time again. Time for ballot initiatives claiming to be one thing until we get the real story 
and find out what they'll really cost us. Like Proposition 46, what's the real story? Well, start with the trial lawyers. They wrote and paid for Prop 46, and just as you might have guessed, they did it for money, to make millions from more medical lawsuits and higher jury awards. So who pays for it all? Well, as Prop 46 increases doctors' malpractice insurance, the cost of health care will rise for the rest of us. In fact, California's nonpartisan legislative analyst office found Prop 46 would increase state and local government health care costs by hundreds of millions of dollars annually. That's the real story. Those are the risks. And why to vote no on Prop 46? Check the facts at noon46.com. Paid for by No One 46, patients, providers, and healthcare insurers to contain health costs with major funding from the Cooperative of American Physicians IE Committee and the Doctors' Company. It's time to remember. Hi, I'm Janine Avila, and I'm the co-chair of this year's Celebrate the Red. We will be commemorating the 25th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. This is an especially meaningful event to me since I lost my home and was introduced to the work of the Red Cross. Join Santa Cruz County area residents and businesses who are working together to support the mission of the Red Cross by providing relief to those affected by disasters and empower individuals to prepare for, respond to, and recover from emergencies. Our humanitarian honoree Leon Panetta will join us on September 27th at the Coconut Grove Ballroom at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. The event will feature a champagne reception, buffet dinner, a silent and live auction, and music performed by Extra Large. Mark your calendars and buy your tickets before they sell out and start figuring out your outfit. This will be the gala of the year, so you won't want to miss out. Call the chapter or go to redcross.org Santa Cruz to buy tickets or support the event. redcross.org Santa Cruz. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and today my guest is Mitch Daniels. And you were talking about how employers view diplomas today. Many are concerned about the gap between the education a student receives and the skills they need to fulfill highly specialized jobs. And with a third of all Americans coming into retirement age, I mean, how are these companies going to fill these jobs? Well, um, it, it is a, an irony and a, and a, and a big opportunity, I think, actually, if we can uh, improve the uh, preparation of our young people, because there will be there will, will be great jobs waiting for those who have the uh, preparation for them. But uh, it's uh, sad, but true. I mean, I was I was in business for a long time, uh, I expected really to finish my working days there. And uh, even uh, uh, when I uh, left for public life uh, over a decade ago, uh, we were facing the issue of of great jobs going begging because even people who showed up with a college degree didn't have the basic mathematical skills, didn't have the basic uh, 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 communications and English skills uh, to say nothing of of uh, of learning uh, that uh, we once considered uh, routine in uh, in higher education, things like American history and and the principles of citizenship. Well, it is a it is a great challenge. Uh, I just recently spoke at a talent acquisition conference where uh, the largest corporations in the world, their human resources departments, uh, the heads of their human resources departments were all there. And they were all bemoaning the fact that they had 10, 20, 30 percent of jobs open that they couldn't find people for. Uh, and so there is some kind of a gap and uh, and it and we really do need to pay attention to it. It, it almost seems like so much of our focus has been on this whole health care debate that uh, we seem to not leave any time or, uh, I don't know, money, interest, whatever we want to call it, for some of these other issues that are uh, are increasingly, I think, growing worse over time. But as you say, as a business person, you look at that as an opportunity as opposed to uh, something that uh, can't be fixed. It can be fixed, and the, the institution that fixes it will benefit from that. Now, I'd like to uh, switch gears for just 
just a moment because we're almost out of time here, but we have a midterm election coming up around the corner. Um, and, you know, I, I realize as the president of Purdue, you've taken what uh, you call a vow of political celibacy. I love those words, by the way. Um, but uh, but as you know, um, th- th- this is a nonpartisan program. So regardless of which way the House or the Senate go, um, I'd like to ask you, what would you like to see the new Congress focus on? What 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 are what do they need to make a priority at this point? Well, we've already talked about the one that uh, that matters more than all the rest put together, and that's the national debt. Uh, and uh, so I won't belabor it, but, you know, it, it, it isn't going away. It's getting worse by the billions every uh, even during the program that we're on right now. And um, uh, it's going to have to be dealt with if we if if we would uh, this, uh, act on it. Uh, more promptly. I mean, the sooner you act, the more moderate the steps you'll take. If you wait and wait and wait, uh, you will have to do things that are draconian in the end. So that's number one. I would love to see them. You mentioned another one I would, uh, that, that's very important to me. I'd love to see, first of all, Congress find things they could agree on. There's so much to disagree about. We understand that uh, some of that may be inevitable. Infrastructure, you mentioned briefly a little while ago. We have to, we've got to rebuild this country. You know, here in Indiana, we're in a in a building boom because of some actions we took. But it's in stark contrast to what's going on elsewhere, where ridges and roads. Uh, we need pipelines. We need electrical infrastructure. These are the. This is the the backbone of a of a strong modern economy, and we cannot afford to let ours erode anymore. And so there's one there's an area where I would really uh, it's always seemed to me people who disagree about other things uh, can agree on the importance of that and sure and, why not come together and, and sponsor these big public works programs you know these uh, creating new bridges new dams new alternative energy programs uh, say you know uh, desal plants whatever's needed why not put people back to work on building up the country's infrastructure that seems like a no-brainer to me I quite agree. You know, a, a lot of it, uh, it, it can involve a private capital, and which is which is active all over the world. The biggest projects in most of the world are done in partnership between Absolutely. governments and private capital. We strangely here in America, except for a few places like Indiana, we felt we we aren't using that opportunity. But uh, it would put people to work directly, and more importantly, after the roads are built, the bridges are rebuilt, the pipelines are there and so forth, it enables many times more jobs uh, in the rest of the economy. So, um, Well, the nice thing about it is when you put people back to work, they become taxpayers. So it's a double win. They're, They're off of public services, and they're contributing to the tax rolls. Yes, and you know, to me, what's even more important than that, Rebecca, is that they have the dignity that comes from earning their own success. And uh, I think almost all Americans are more than uh, than willing to uh, help those who are down on their luck, who are uh, who uh, need a helping hand. But uh, you know, even people in what we call poverty in America, you know, the the person in the technical zone of poverty in America is wealthier in many ways than a rich person was within our lifetimes. Yes. Uh, he or she owns things that the King of England didn't own because they didn't exist, cell phones and iPads and so forth. What's, what's, what's really, I think, so important to our democracy long term is that people feel a sense of ownership and participation. They feel they've earned their own success. And they have the human dignity that comes with that. And that's why I really hope that uh, we'll see eventually a much stronger economy. uh, And uh, some of the things you and I just talked about, reducing our debt, building our rebuilding our infrastructure would help. Well, uh, I I couldn't agree with you more with that list of priorities. We're definitely on the same page there. But like you say, it's got to start with finding those things on which we can agree. Unfortunately, we are all out of time for this hour. Uh, but before we let you go, I just have to go on record as saying I am happy for Purdue, but I am unhappy for our nation's capital that you are not there, sir. I, I just We just need more practical business thinking uh, folks and 
And uh, and I think everyone listening to this, I, I, in fact, I know our, we have three million listeners across the United States. I know I'm going to hear from every one of them and say, why isn't he running for president? Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm going to have to bring you back to get the answer for that because we're all out of time here. But uh, promise me you'll come back again. I'd love to if you'll have me. <laughs> Absolutely. And and thank you for the good work you're doing, uh, uh, revi- uh, really helping to bring reform to education. Appreciate it very much. Thank you, Mr. Daniels. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. If your station is leaving us after this first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Mitch Daniels today, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. In particular, I'd like to hear from you if you feel America benefits from our space program. Many Americans believe we can't afford a space program anymore, but uh, do you think they're right? I don't know. Email me and let me know what you think. And if you missed the full interview with Mitch Daniels today or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. And while you're at our website, take a moment to get your copy of The Watchman's Rattle, which continues to be a bestseller in 26 countries around the world. That's because The Watchman's Rattle disrupts conventional thinking. It's the first time we've confronted what happens when the complexity of day-to-day life exceeds the actual capabilities of our brains. And it explains why regulations, technology, processes, and information become so unwieldy that we can't tell an opinion from an empirical fact. And sooner than you know, we, along with our leaders, are basing important decisions on unproven beliefs. Is it any wonder that public policy is not well thought out? More and more, the unintended consequences of our actions completely negate our good intentions. So pick up the watchman's rattle, because I promise once you do, you'll never look at world events the same way. So go to RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. While there's still a limited number of first edition autographed copies, there's only a couple, I think 200 uh, or first edition copies still available. So uh, get on the internet right now and grab your copy while, while you can still get a first edition. My guest next week is self-made millionaire who went bankrupt three times before succeeding with his as-seen-on-TV brand, A.J. Kubani. Don't miss an all-American success story when A.J. Kubani joins us next week on the only news program which puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to The Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.